If all you do is decrease the amount of food that you eat and you don't make any changes to your diet or your lifestyle, you're going to experience increased hunger. You're going to experience increased cravings. It's going to be really hard to adhere to your dietary plan. And overall, you might have a higher risk of failing and not actually achieving your weight loss goals. What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Joey Munoz Show. Today, we're gonna to be talking about evidence-based strategies to help you reduce hunger and improve your satiety when you're dieting. I'm really excited for this episode. It's gonna be a very practical episode where I give you actual implementable tips that you can start to practice literally today to help you improve your weight loss success. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. Okay, so most people who attempt weight loss and have some basic knowledge of nutrition understand that calories matter, right? We talked a lot about this in last episode, episode two. The number of calories that you consume relative to the number of calories that your body expends dictates whether you gain or lose weight. You have to be in negative energy balance, aka eating less calories than your body burns, in order to lose weight. Most people already understand that piece of the puzzle. However, this is where people go wrong whenever they start dieting. So they're like, okay, I need to eat less calories. And so they take their whole diet and they simply just eat less food, right? So for example, somebody who might be losing weight might have a large frappuccino at Starbucks with one of their scones and a sandwich for breakfast. And now they tell themselves they want to lose weight. So for breakfast, now they're going to have instead of the large frappuccino, they have a small frappuccino, they still have the sandwich and maybe they have half of the scone. So they didn't change anything about their diet. They simply reduced the total amount of food that they were consuming. And they do that for their breakfast. They do that for their lunch. They do that for their dinner. But there's no focus whatsoever on changing dietary behaviors. Doing this can help with weight loss, but it's going to feel miserable. If all you do is decrease the amount of food that you eat and you don't make any changes to your diet or your lifestyle, you're going to experience increased hunger. You're going to experience increased cravings. It's going to be really hard to adhere to your dietary plan. And overall, you might have a higher risk of failing and not actually achieving your weight loss goals. Instead, what you should be focusing on is modifying your diet to make it more satiating, right? Choosing foods that help you reduce your hunger and improve your satiety is going to be a very useful way to diet because you're not going to feel as miserable. You're not going to feel those really bad hunger cravings. And overall, when you start to implement these strategies, you'll notice that you don't actually have to reduce the total amount of food that you eat that much. You can still eat a ton of food while reducing your calories and achieving weight loss. Okay, now before we actually get into these strategies, I want to preface this by saying that hunger and satiety regulation is not the only reason why people fail to lose weight, right? It'd be silly to just chuck it up and just say, oh, people are really hungry. That's, that's not the only thing going on. People fail to lose weight for physiological reasons, right? Some people have really low energy expenditure. They have issues with their thyroid hormone, for example. Uh, there can be environmental reasons, right? If the people around you don't support you, if you're going out to parties often with friends and they're eating foods, it's going to make it a lot more difficult for you not to participate in those behaviors. So by no means am I saying that hunger regulation is the only issue that people have when it comes to weight loss but it is a big component, right? If you feel way less hungry and you're more satiated throughout the day, you're likely just gonna eat less in general, even if you go out to events and you're with friends that are doing some of these behaviors that you don't necessarily wanna partake in. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive straight into these strategies. Strategy number one is going to be to mainly focus on eating whole, unprocessed foods. I know you've probably heard that a thousand times before, but let's discuss why it's so important. So 
There's this thing called the satiety index, okay? And it's the scale where foods are rated on their satiating effects, right? So per 100 calories or per 200 calories, how satiating is a particular food. And the foods that rank the highest on this scale tend to be whole foods. For example, oranges, right, fruits, fish, steak, sources of lean protein sources. These foods tend to be more satiating and rank higher on the satiety score index than other foods like cookies, chips, ice cream, for example, right? So if you eat 500 calories worth of cookies or 500 calories worth of oranges or fish, for example, you should feel a lot fuller and more satiated with the 500 calories coming from fruit or coming from fish. Again, because those whole unprocessed foods tend to be more satiating. They help you feel fuller on a per calorie basis. It's not to say there's not room for some of those fun foods, right? I have them on a daily basis pretty much, but the majority of your foods should be coming from whole and processed sources so that you don't overeat and you feel satiated. And there's actually really, really fantastic research to show that this is the case. There's a really interesting study by Kevin Hall, who's one of the leading researchers when it comes to metabolism and body composition. 20 adults were taken into this study. This was a crossover design study, which means that participants did one intervention and then there was a washout period and then they did the other intervention, okay? So the participants served as their own controls, essentially. So in the study, participants were given either a highly processed diet or a very unprocessed diet, right? So the main difference between the two diets were the food choices. And the participants were allowed to eat as much as they wanted. The two diets were matched, though, for the total amount of calories presented. So the unprocessed diet, they showed them 10,000 calories, for example. And the processed diet, they gave the participants 10,000 calories and told them, eat as much as you want. They were also matched for energy density, macronutrients, sugar, sodium, and fiber. So from a nutritional perspective, these diets were actually quite similar. What happened, though? On average, the participants in the processed diet group, actually ultra-processed diet group, consumed about 500 more calories per day compared to the unprocessed diet group, which shows that simply consuming ultra-processed foods, even though they may be matched for calories, sodium, etc., people still tend to overeat these foods. One of the reasons why is because these foods are literally engineered to be very, very, very tasty. You have to think about these things from the company standpoint, right? Like Doritos, they're trying to make the absolutely most delicious chips so that you buy their product, right? So these ultra processed foods are literally engineered to be really tasty. And when things are very tasty, aka hyper palatable, we're going to tend to overconsume them a lot more than something like carrots or fish, right? So if, if you can shift your eating behaviors towards more unprocessed foods, it's likely that you're going to reduce your caloric intake naturally because these processed foods are not as delicious, essentially. And if you don't believe that that's the case, I can present to you a very simple example. If I showed you a donut, right, let's say a glazed donut with sprinkles on it, which people seem to love, or an orange, and I asked you which of these was easier to eat, which of these would make you feel fuller, you'd probably say they're about the same, right? One orange or one donut, it's about the same, more or less. They're about the same size. Really, I could eat an orange or I could eat a donut. Personally, it's not that big of a deal. They're about the same. Now, the difference is that one donut is about 400 calories. One large orange is only really about 100 calories. So you would need to eat four oranges to have the same caloric intake as the one donut. Now, if I asked you the same question, what's easier to eat? 
one donut or four large oranges, pretty much everybody would say the one donut, right? Those four oranges would present a lot of volume, right? So it's a lot of food. It's going to fill you up and it's going to be way more satiating than the donut, even though the calories are the same. Now, I want to take a second to explain that foods are not binary. They're not either processed or unprocessed, right? Processing exists on a spectrum, really. So let's take an apple, for example. The most unprocessed form of an apple would be a whole apple, right? If you process it a little bit more, you would have apple slices. Process a little bit more, you'd have apple sauce, then apple juice, and so forth. And then something that would be really, really, a really processed form of apples would be like an apple-flavored gummy or an apple-flavored candy right? Ideally, you want to eat more towards the unprocessed side. So it doesn't just mean always eat the whole apple, but apples, apple slices, apple sauce is better than apple flavored gummies or apple juice, for example. Hopefully that makes sense. And if you can start to focus on eating more of those whole foods, I promise you it'll be a lot easier to achieve your weight loss goals. Okay, so strategy number one, eat more whole foods. Strategy number two, is going to be specifically around macronutrients. And that's going to be to focus more on protein and fiber consumption. In general, when it comes to protein, you want to consume at least about 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. So for me, if I weigh around 200 pounds, I want to be consuming at least 160 grams of protein. This amount of protein is also going to be really helpful to support lean muscle mass, right? Most of us that want to lose body fat and improve our body composition We also want to develop some level of muscularity, right? We want to look lean, but in shape. And making sure that you eat adequate protein is not only going to help with satiety regulation, but it's also going to help with supporting lean muscle mass. Fiber, similar to protein, is also very satiating, right? So for fiber, you want to be consuming about 14 to 16 grams per thousand calories consumed. That's the general recommendation for fiber, and that's going to be really helpful for hunger and satiety regulation. When we go back to that satiety index scale, right? If we look at those foods that have the highest values, yes, they are whole foods. Again, oranges, fish, beef tend to rank really high on that scale. But those are also foods that are really high in protein and in fiber, right? Oranges have a ton of water, but they also have a ton of fiber. Lean fish has a ton of protein, not much fat. Lean steak has a ton of protein, not much fat. Beans, potatoes, these are other foods that are actually really high in complex carbohydrates that are very satiating, and they also tend to rank really high on the satiety index, right? Again, chips, cookies, ice cream, which are fine to eat every once in a while, but they have a very low satiating score, aren't really high in either protein or fiber. So again, one of the benefits why whole foods are so satiating is because they tend to be higher in protein and fiber than ultra-processed alternatives. So there's actually really interesting studies to show the satiating effects of protein. This one study was published in 2014. 20 women came into the lab. They were fed an isocaloric snack after having a standardized lunch, okay? So these women came into the lab. They were fed a uh, a lunch. All of the women consumed the same lunch, essentially. And then some time passed after lunch, and they were fed a snack. Now, the snack was either a high-protein yogurt, which had about 14 grams of protein, or a high-fat cracker, or high-fat chocolate, right? And those other two snacks pretty much had no protein, and they had about 9 grams of fat and 20 grams of carbohydrate. These snacks had the same amount of calories, okay? So essentially, one was a high-protein snack, and the others were like a high-sugar, high-fat snack. Calories were equal. What happened? Well, as I'm sure you can guess, 
the high-protein snack improved hunger and satiety, right? So essentially, the women who consumed the high-protein yogurt reported being fuller for a longer period of time after consuming that snack compared to the women that had the high-sugar, high-fat snack, right? The crackers and the chocolate. So literally, all that means is if you have higher-protein snacks, higher-protein meals, you'll feel fuller for a longer period of time, right? And if you feel fuller for a longer period of time, you're going to be a lot less likely to snack on stuff that perhaps you don't want to be snacking on. You're not going to be feeling hungry and you're probably going to reduce your overall caloric intake, which is going to be conducive to helping you achieve your weight loss goals. Now, the most interesting part about the study is not only did they report feeling hungrier for a period of time after having the snack, right? Those that had the yogurt were fuller for longer. Those that had the yogurt also ate less at dinner. And that's really where the magic lies, right? They had a snack after lunch and then they had dinner. Who cares if they, did, if they felt fuller or less hungry if they still ate the same amount? But that's not the case. They actually, on average, ate 100 less calories at dinner. Just naturally, right? They didn't track their calories. This was just sit at a table, eat as much as you want. They naturally ate 100 less calories. So focus, focusing on some of these strategies should just naturally help you reduce your overall caloric intake. All right, so that being said, I actually want to share with you guys some of my favorite high-protein, high-fiber snacks, okay? First off is Greek yogurt. I have Greek yogurt pretty much pretty much daily, really. A serving of Greek yogurt is usually around 120 to 140 calories and usually has about, about 15 grams of protein, which is a really good ratio of protein to total calories. I also love low-fat mozzarella cheese, like polio cheese sticks. I have those all of the time. Those are about 7 grams of protein per 70 calories. Also really, really good. I have protein powder on a regular basis, whey protein powder. I mean, simple and straightforward when it comes to supplementation there. I think people tend to think that protein powder is like this weird supplement. It's not. It's literally just protein that comes from dairy. So it's, it's a byproduct from cheese production, actually. And it's extremely healthy for you. So I recommend that everybody consumes a whey protein powder unless you have issues with whey or lactose or whatnot. And then some of these recommendations obviously aren't the best. I also loved boiled eggs, or you could have boiled egg whites in particular. Eggs are a great source of protein. Fruit, apples, bananas, oranges are some of my favorite fruits because they're easy to take. They're easy to take with you on the go and they're relatively high in fiber. And lastly, I really like having baby carrots with hummus. Carrots are really high in fiber as well. And it's a nice low calorie snack that will help with hunger and satiety regulation. All right, on to strategy number three, which is hydration, okay? You need to make sure that you're adequately hydrated. Um, you can tell that you're adequately hydrated easily by the color of your urine, right? When you go to the restroom, if you pee, if it's dark yellow, if it has a strong odor to it, you're not hydrated. The opposite's true too. If it's translucent, doesn't have a strong odor, you're likely adequately hydrated. But this strategy, what I actually wanna share with you is making sure you're drinking water before and during your meals. There's really good research on this. This is what we call water preloading. So there's a really interesting 2016 study where participants came to the lab overnight and they preloaded with 500 milliliters of water before their breakfast. So one group consumed half a liter of water immediately before breakfast and the other group didn't have any water at all. And then the participants were fed an ad libitum breakfast. They were allowed to eat as much as they wanted, right? What the study showed was that those that drank the water, those that had half a liter of water before breakfast, actually consumed about 150 less calories at breakfast than those that didn't drink water. That's really cool, right? You could just hydrate yourself. That'll help you feel a little bit satiated. You'll likely reduce your caloric intake. And even more interestingly is that both groups reported the same level of satisfaction after eating breakfast. 
So even though the, the participants that drank water ate less food, they didn't report feeling any hungrier or less satiated than those that didn't drink the water. So it did help reduce overall caloric intake while having the same level of satisfaction and satiety. So again, it's literally as simple as just making sure you're drinking an adequate amount of water throughout the day and perhaps having some water before your meals if you're trying to reduce your overall caloric intake and drinking water throughout your meal as well shouldn't hurt either. Okay, strategy number four is going to be around meal timing, okay? So when you eat throughout the day, and we're going to talk about two main things here. One is going to be the importance of eating breakfast, right? And number two is going to be the importance of having a regular meal schedule. First and foremost, if your goal is to lose weight and you struggle with hunger, you should definitely, definitely, definitely be prioritizing consuming a nice, well-balanced breakfast, okay? I know fasting is really popular. I'm not against fasting. I don't think there's anything wrong with fasting, but I'll say this. There's plenty of research showing that individuals who eat breakfast tend to have greater energy expenditure and tend to have better satisfaction in terms of hunger and satiety regulation throughout the day. And again, I want to go over some research on this. There's a really interesting 2013 study where overweight or obese women were placed on an isocaloric diet, right? So the diets had the same amount of calories. And in this case, it was about 1,400 calories per day, okay? The difference between the two groups was that one group consumed 700 calories at breakfast, whereas the other group consumed 700 calories at dinner. And again, similar to all the other strategies that we've shown, what this study demonstrated was that the, the women that consumed more calories at breakfast felt less hungry and more satiated throughout the day, and they also ate less, which resulted in better fat loss. So again, simply focusing on consuming more breakfast is going to be a really useful strategy to help you regulate your hunger throughout the day. And I mean, this makes perfect sense, right? Think of it like this. When you have a large meal, it, it keeps you full for a period of time after that meal, right? Let's say you eat 700 calories of whole foods. It keeps you full for about three hours, four hours after that. Well, if you eat first thing in the morning, that satiating effect is going to last well throughout the morning, right? You'll feel full for the following three or four hours. Let's say you eat breakfast at seven in the morning. You should feel pretty full till about 11 a.m., right? Now, if you do the opposite of that, and consume that large meal, let's say at 8 p.m., and you go to sleep at 9.30 or 10 p.m., it just doesn't make any sense. Yes, you're still going to feel satiated, but you're going to bed. You usually don't eat when you're asleep anyway, right? So it makes sense to have your largest meal at the beginning of the day so you can take advantage of the satiating benefits of having a large meal throughout the, for most people, the busiest part of the day, which is the morning. Okay, so aside from consuming breakfast, it is really important to have a regular meal schedule and make sure that your meals are about the same size as well. And again, there's interesting research showing this as well too, that people that tend to consume meals at the same time every day, and those meals tend to be about the same size in terms of total calories. So if your breakfast is usually 500 calories, making sure that's pretty regular. If your lunch is usually around six, 700 calories, making sure that the size of your lunch is pretty regular. And again, eating at the same times at most days, is a very, very helpful strategy to mitigate hunger and regulate your satiety. And what the research shows is that people who do have regular meal schedules and the size of their meals is relatively the same on a regular basis, they tend to have better weight loss outcomes. So how can you use this to your advantage? First off, make sure you try to eat meals at similar times every day. Independent of, have, independent of how many times you eat per day, try to have your meals around the same times. 
I usually have breakfast around 8.30, I have my lunch around noon, I have a snack around 3 to 4, and then I have a pretty big dinner around 6, 7 p.m. That's what works for me. Find what works for you and make sure you have a regular schedule. Number two is try to have consistency with meal size. This doesn't mean that all of your meals have to be the same size, but your breakfast should be similar in sizes every day, your lunches and your dinners, etc. right? It means that if you usually have a pretty big lunch, make sure you usually have a pretty big lunch. You shouldn't have a big lunch today, skip out on lunch tomorrow, have a snack the day after. That's irregularity. You want regularity. All right, strategy number five that tends to be overlooked is sleep. We've been talking about all of these different dietary strategies, but sleep is so, so, so important, not just for energy and general health and exercise, but also for weight loss, for hunger and satiety regulation. There are really interesting studies on sleep restriction. The one I'm thinking about right now took participants and they either let them sleep a whole night for eight hours or restricted sleep to just four hours. Following the sleep intervention, participants were fed an ad libitum breakfast. Again, ad libitum just means they were allowed to eat as much as they wanted. Following the sleep intervention, they were fed an ad libitum breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And again, ad libitum just means they were allowed to eat as much as they wanted. What the results showed is that the individuals who were sleep restricted were significantly hungrier before breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they increased their total caloric intake at each of those meals as well. Overall, the participants who were sleep restricted consumed on average an additional 500 calories throughout the day compared to the participants that had an adequate night of sleep, aka sleep restriction, poor sleep is not really good for hunger and satiety regulation, and it does seem to contribute to increased caloric intake, which can contribute to increased weight gain, right? There's also really good research showing that sleep restriction contributes to lower energy expenditure. And that kind of makes sense, right? Because if you're not sleeping well, you probably feel tired. You probably don't move as much throughout the day, so you burn less energy. So it's a double whammy. You move less, you burn less energy, but you're also hungrier and less satiated, which means that you're going to eat more calories. And both of those together are really a recipe for disaster when it comes to trying to lose weight. So what are some tips that you can implement to help improve your sleep if you are struggling with your sleep? Keep in mind, I'm not a sleep expert. Some people have actual sleep issues and need to get a sleep study done or see a sleep expert to, to discuss some of their issues, right? But some general tips that will help improve your sleep are focused around your sleep hygiene, aka your routine before going to bed. First and foremost, make sure you limit artificial lights at night as much as possible, right? So make sure you're trying to turn your TV off about an hour before going to bed. Make sure you're not looking at your phone while trying to fall asleep because that's not going to be helpful. Second, you should have a cool, dark room at least below 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Our bodies need to drop temperature essentially so we can fall asleep and making sure that you have a cool dark room is gonna be helpful for that. Number three, maybe you try to implement some sort of relaxing activity before you go to bed, right? A nice warm bath, maybe you stretch for a little bit, maybe you read a book, but something that you enjoy that is relaxing will help put you in a nice relaxed state to be able to fall asleep. Tip number four, for sensitive sleepers, I, I include myself in this category, is maybe look into using white noise or earplugs or an eye mask. For example, when my wife was pregnant, she was snoring a ton, and so I was using earplugs to sleep because I'm really, really sensitive to sounds. That may be something you want to look into. You also want to make sure that you have a regular sleep schedule, right? Making sure that you're getting ready for sleep around the same time every day, winding down around the same time. Usually my wife and I, we put our baby to sleep around 7.45 or 8 p.m., we wind down, we're asleep by 9.30, that's our schedule. 
we do that six out of the seven days of the week, right? So making sure you're having regularity with your sleep schedule is also going to be really helpful just to let your body know like, hey, this is the time we go to sleep. We start to wind down around this time, similar to the, the tip that I gave before about regular meal schedule. And lastly is make sure you try to limit caffeine about five to six hours before bed, right? Caffeine has a five to six hour half-life. You don't want to be consuming caffeine five to six hours before bed because it can keep you asleep. And for those that are really sensitive to caffeine, maybe just limit caffeine consumption to the morning and not at all throughout the day. Trust me, if you feel like you can't live without caffeine because you're always tired and you're having caffeine throughout the day, simply limiting your caffeine intake throughout the day will improve your sleep, which will improve your energy levels. It might be hard at first, right? Limiting caffeine at first is really hard if you're really dependent on it. But simply having willpower to slowly decrease your caffeine intake to improve your sleep will help you feel more energetic throughout the day, which should decrease your dependency on caffeine, which overall will have a positive effect on your health. Alrighty, guys, that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this episode. I hope you guys found that helpful. Ton of useful, useful, useful information. If you're trying to diet and lose weight, the last thing you should do is just cut the amount of food you eat in half. It's going to keep you feeling hungry and not satiated, and it's going to be a recipe for disaster. Make sure you're implementing all of these strategies that are really going to set you up for success when it comes to weight loss. By the way, if you're really enjoying this podcast, I would really appreciate if you took some time to leave me a rating on whatever podcast app you're listening to this on right now. And if you're on YouTube, just give it a thumbs up and subscribe to my channel. It really does help me a ton. Aside from that, I make these episodes completely for free. They take me a ton of time. I won't lie. I obviously really enjoy making these and I really enjoy educating you guys but I will leave a link below if you guys want to support me financially. Because again, I don't make any money off these podcasts and it would be really helpful to support the podcast in order to see the podcast flourish long-term. Anyways, guys, I really appreciate you. Hope you all have a wonderful day and I'll catch you in the next episode. Peace.